This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 69. Nice. Nice. Submission 569. Nice. Nice. When things were rotten. When things were rotten aired on ABC from September 10th of 1975 through December 3rd of 1975 for 13 episodes. Once upon a time when things were rotten, not just food but also kings were rotten. Everybody think the peasants. Things were bad and that. Well, first things, guys, as always with a good quality theme song, we need to talk about this theme song. Yeah. Yes, I, we do. Yeah. It, it, it's not a bop, but I'm, I'm going to give a term for this. It's a ditty. It tells you. It's yeah, like a little ditty about Jack and Diane from John Mellencamp. This tells you the story of the show. Yeah, it's a little ditty about Robin and Marion. Yep. Two British kids growing up in the Shored Forest Glen. <laughs> Little ditty about Robin and Marianne. Two Brits growing up in the Shored Forest Glen. I just made that up. He's a master lyricist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when When's uh, Chico going to be on the next Eurovision Song Contest? Uh, when, they, <laughs> when they decide to open it back up. Anywho, let's yeah, talk when, about- when they actually allow, you know, those revolutionaries from the United States in. Yeah, you know, we we're, we're only about 250 years late for that. I mean, come on, it's been 250 years, Europe. Let's let's get in there. Oh my. <laughs> so anywho. Okay. So I happen to have a copy of the theme song right here. Okay. Uh the first stanza. Once upon a time when things were rotten, not just food, but also kings forgotten. Everybody kicked the peasants, things were bad and that ain't good. Then came Robin Hood. 
Yes, this basically sets the story in motion for our Robin Hood legend. Yes, it's a time when things are rotten. Kings are bad, and the dames were even worse. And good heavens, what about the food? Oh, Oh, God, not the food. Forget about it. This was way before Louis Pasteur, way before refrigeration. Take one, take one bite of that smoked turkey leg. Next thing you know, you're bunched over for days. And be careful about drinking the water filled with cholera. Mm-hmm. Okay, our second stanza. Soon a band of merry men he'd gotten. They wore outfits made of plain green cotton. Helping, bis- helping victims was their business. Boy, oh boy, was was business good. Good for Robin Hood. Now we have the heroes of our story, Robin Hood's Merry Men. You know the the ones. We'll uh, get into the cast a little bit later, but you all know what I'm talking about. It's kind of like us, only we're a couple of Merry Men short. Yeah, moving on. They laughed, they loved, they fought... They drank. They jumped a lot of fences. They robbed the rich, gave to the poor, except what they kept for expenses. It ain't charity, folks. They'll save the world, but they won't save it for free. But hey, they will save the world. Robin Hood and his merry men were men of the people. So when other legends are forgotten... We'll remember back when things were rotten. Yay for Robin Hood! Yay. Yay indeed. So who are these heroes, and who are they fighting against? Well, if you know the story of Robin Hood, you already know the characters. But it took an army of accomplished thespians to bring them to proper life. And then they just found uh, recurring guest shots from Guest Smart and said, hey, he'll do. Oh, speaking of Get Smart, before we even get into the cast, we need to state that this show was created by Mel Brooks. Oh, yes, the legendary Mel Brooks. Yep. Yeah, the legendary Mel Brooks, who was half of the uh, creation uh, team for Get Smart. Yep, with Buck Henry. Exactly. And uh, you'll hear some uh, names that are very familiar if you're a fan of Get Smart. Indeed. And actually, one of them is, will start off with Robin Hood. Yep. Our erstwhile Robin of Loxley is played by none other than Dick Godier, who you may remember as Jaime the Robot from Get Smart. And tons That's... of game show appearances. In the I was just about to say, and... And every game show from 1972 to 1985, 86. Yeah, 86, because he was on Super Password. Mm-hmm. He was. And then as Friar Tuck, this person hadn't hit the big time yet. Give him another two or three years and he'd become a household name. Dick Van Patten. Oh. Oh, yeah. 
And this would be his first joint with uh, Mel Brooks, but it would not be his last because he was also in Spaceballs after he was done with Eight is Enough, of course. Well, between Eight is Enough and the Eight is Enough reunion movies, he was in Spaceballs. And another uh, Get Smart veteran is Bernie Capel. Yes, your ship's doctor. He portrayed Alan Adele. But also on Get Smart, he portrayed Siegfried. And also uh, he reprised that role as Siegfried on future installment, the Get Smart reboot that was on Fox back in the mid-90s. Yeah. And he would also reprise his role as your ship's doctor in future installment, Love Boat the Next Wave. Oh, yes. I can't wait till we get to the talk about the episode where Kevin Nash and Goldberg were on it. <laughs> yes, that happened, folks. And then moving on, a name that may not be very familiar uh, portrayed two characters. Bertram and Ronaldo were played by Richard Dimitri. And honestly, I, I looked this up on IMDb and you know, I, I did proper research. This is the only show that Richard Dimitri had even just like a, a recurring role on. He, he appeared on, looks like, three episodes of Hawaii Five-0 around 1978 and appeared on some other shows, but he was not a regular like he was on this show. Uh, this was actually his first show, period, according to his IMDb that he was on. So he didn't have any sort of, you know... Uh, guest shots or anything like that before he was on when things were rotten. And uh, the only other place that our viewers, our very astute viewers may have seen Richard Dimitri is if you remember about 18 years ago, game show network showed reruns of the original Hollywood squares. He was on a couple of those episodes around 1975, because again, this was, you know, his uh, first big acting gig and well, Sadly, his last. Well, he went up. Not not really. He was in the movie. He was in Johnny Dangerously. Yes. Which we'll cover on our, which we'll cover on our Patreon spinoff podcast. It was a thing at the movies. But, but um, yeah. But he was a writer on Future Entry Going Bananas. Ha. Well, the only show that, like I said, he uh, was really a recurring character on was was when things were rotten. Uh, yeah, obviously Johnny Dangerously wasn't a TV show, but also uh, he did make some appearances on the uh, Tracy Ellman show, Tracy Takes On, if you remember that. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's actually on HBO Max right now. Ooh, something I gotta look up on the app. Okay, cool. Yep. What isn't on HBO Max? Um, I'll I'll play the fifth right now. Anyway, rounding, well, I can, rounding. I, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can tell you what's on HBO Max. Future installment: Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space. Oh God! Oh, yeah, <laughs> I watched that show. And then I had to go to a palate cleanse, so I watched Westworld season three. So, yeah, welcome to my world. I said the exact same thing about 10, 15 minutes in, threw my hands up in the air, said, nope, 
Not doing <laughs> it until we actually have this on the show. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, jeez. Okay. And rounding out the Merry Men was Little John, played by David Sabin. And, of course, if you know Little John, you know that when none little about him. Yep. It's an ironic name. I know. He he lifts tree. He lifts trees out the ground. As seen in the open of the show. Mm-hmm. But there's also two other characters we need to talk about. The the other two main characters in the whole Robin Hood legend. First, we'll talk about Maid Marian, who was played by Misty Rowe. Yep. In typical 70s kitsch fashion, she was incredibly gorgeous, incredibly blonde, and incredibly amply bosomed, and incredibly dumb. And also, if you uh, have been following our Twitter or our um, or our Discord. A couple weeks ago, I posted a picture from the Crosswits. Uh, sometime in the 70s, I'm going to guess probably 75, 76, around the time this would have been out. And that picture had Bernie Capel and Misty Rowe. I actually hinted that two people uh, on that photo were going to be in a future entry. Well, guess what? This is it. But also, and I know we have stuff to say about this person, the Sheriff of Nottingham was played oh, by... Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sit down. The Sheriff of Nottingham was played by the one and only Henry Pollock II. Yeah. Henry Pollock II of future entry double talk. Yes. And obviously Webster as well. Uh, but also another observation that all three of us made independently, actually, uh, but we just found out before recording this episode that we all shared the same mind, apparently... Henry Pollock II as the Sheriff of Nottingham in this series looks exactly like the master from Doctor Who. Specifically, More specifically Anthony Ainley yes. as the master. And oh, yeah. Seen, and of course, if you've seen the Doctor Who pinball machine from Valley of 93, you know what we're talking about if you've seen the table. Yeah, darn right. That's exactly who he looks like. And actually, Henry Pollock II doesn't even look like the Henry Pollock II of Webster and, and, and Double Talk. No! The it's whole mustache and the goatee really changes his looks. He looks terribly evil. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was, I was expecting while watching this, where, where's, when's Peter Davison going to show up? Oh, he showed up. They, put a, they dyed his hair, gave him a crown, and told him he was... Prince John, played by Ron Rifkin. By the way, he rounds out the cast, Ron Rifkin, as the incredibly childishly petty tyrant, not unlike some people in 2020, Prince John. I'm not saying a word about that incredibly petty in 2020 comment. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about, Chico. I, I wait. I, I don't. Who, who I don't know is he talking about? My name. My my name is John, and I don't know. John Barron. Oh. Well, so the show itself, obviously, it was a Robin Hood show. It was centered in Sherwood Forest, so you'd have the usual, you know, Robin Hood fair going on, but obviously with a little comedic twist. Yep, and uh, as and when we say comedic twists, there's comedic twists, 
And then there's Mel Brooks, which is mostly quick sight gags, quick punchlines, and a lot of literal humor. For example, episode two has uh, has Prince John asking the sheriff to hang up the banners. Oh, this is great. This I died at. This is hilarious. Play the clip! Put up the banners! Ah, good. Bertram, why all this infernal noise? The sheriff, they're just putting up the banners. Hi, Sheriff. Uh, we're the banners. I'm Ralph. This is Eleanor, our little girl Irene. Charmed. And you see, this is where, if this is a video podcast, you'd get it. But you'd probably have to go on YouTube and find it. The banners was the last name of the people. You know, they, they were hung up on the in the rafters and on the wall. So they hung the banners. You know, hi, my name's Bob, and this is my daughter Emily and my wife Marie or whatever. Yep. See, it's a it's a visual joke, but it's brilliant. It is hilarious. This is one of yeah, this is one of those moments where we wish that this was a video podcast. But you can easily find the second episode on YouTube. I did, Chico did, and uh, and okay, Greg did too. And uh, the name of the episode is the French Disconnection, which we'll get to a little bit later. There's some things about that episode that I don't know if either of them picked up on, but I think I might blow a mind or two. Possibly. Oh no, I, I guarantee I, I will blow both of your minds at some point. And I may blow Greg's mind two or three times by the end of this episode. I found Please, stuff, there are ladies present. I found stuff that Greg is just going to go absolutely bonkers over. I'm dead serious. But yeah, the comedy, it was really, honestly, it was like get smart comedy. It was, you know, a lot of sight gags, a lot of uh, just goofiness. It was it was like get smart in uh, in in uh, Forest of Nottingham. Yep, in the Sherwood Forest, as you would say. In 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 the Sherwood Forest, compared to other Sherwood Forests, except the original. But also, I just wonder, watching this show, was this show maybe a little too ahead of its time? And what I mean by that, yes, we had the sight gags especially the one we just mentioned about the banners that almost came off as sort of naked gun police squad esque. I think maybe if this was 10, 15 years later where maybe people were accustomed to that type of comedy, maybe it would have been a little more successful shoulder shrug, but also at the same time, how many episodes can you really make about Sherwood forest? I, I mean, I you're, mean you're, you're sort of hamstrung by the the topic of the TV show. Yeah, I mean, Robin Hood was a story that's been... It, it's tale as old as time, basically. How many times have we heard this story? Uh, in countless storybooks, uh, at least four different movies, at least three different TV shows, including this one, and there was uh, Young Robin Hood, the cartoon, and uh, the BBC America show, Robin Hood. Uh, yeah, the, the story of Robin Loxley, tale as old as time. But also another 
bit of comedy they used was the fourth wall was broken on a somewhat I, frequent I, basis. I love this. I love oh. the, I love, there was one epic uh, fourth wall break. I've been looking for the clip. I've not been finding it. It was driving me crazy. I was hoping I would find the clip before the show, and I didn't, and now I'm sad. But anyway, it, imagine... Um, Little John is about to uh, give Ronaldo what for. He says, are you ready to tell that to your maker? Ronaldo looks at the camera and says, Mel, I didn't do it. (laughs) Best fourth wall break I think I've ever seen. And another facet of the comedy besides the sight gags and the double meanings and uh, the get smart type of humor was anachronisms. Oh, yeah. We had uh, ladies-in-waiting for Maid Marian singing Stop in the Name of Love. We had a bit of wink, wink, not, not, I see what you did there to the oil crisis. There was, uh, when a piece of uh, the Rock of Gibraltar was destroyed, uh, a messenger brought Prince John a chunk, and he said, I always wanted a piece of the rock. Uh, a little hat tip to the uh, Prudential Insurance slogan, get a piece of the rock. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen those ads, yeah, go look on YouTube. Look at old Prudential ads and they'd say, you know, make sure you get a piece of the rock or something to that extent. A little bit before your time for your uh, younger viewers. Yeah, you'll just have to trust us old folks. Anywho, I think we have 13 shows we need to talk about. And like I said, there's stuff in here that is going to blow minds. I'm just going to say that. I don't want to spoil it uh, because I, I did find some stuff while while uh, researching the episodes. So buckle in, especially Greg, because like I said, I found a couple things that are going to blow you away. Are you locked and loaded there, Greg? Yeah, sure. No, seriously. I'm going to blow your mind. Just okay. get ready. Just put your fingers in your ears to make sure your brain doesn't come outside of your eardrums. I'm going to blow your mind, man. Okay, what is it? No, no, no. We're, 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 let's go through the episodes because it, it doesn't happen in all the episodes. But there's a couple of episodes where minds will be blown. Okay. The first episode is not one of them. I'll just tell you that right now. Oh, yeah. The the capture of Robin Hood. Rumblings continue to grow amongst the peasantry as tax collections increase. Boy, this does sound like Robin Hood. Tax collections increase and Robin's going to get the money. Probably the royal tax collector is waylaid and robbed by Robin and his band of men. And news of the incident reaches the sheriff of Nottingham and Prince John. Marion warns Robin that an archery contest is indeed a trap. But he enters anyway. Robin wins the tournament and is immediately arrested. The merry men launch a rescue, which culminates in a sword fight with the sheriff. Robin defeats the sheriff, escaping back to Sherwood Forest and further adventures. Because if he doesn't get away, this series is done. Yeah, of course. The thing is, this may have been a great pilot episode. Boy, if we don't get picked up, uh, we could just put in an alternate ending. Robin Hood gets uh, arrested. The end. 
Let's show some first season reruns of Barney Miller in this time slot or whatever would have aired in 75. Yep. But okay, we're going to start blowing some minds on episode two, Greg. I'm just telling you that uh, right now. Hold up. Hold, I, I think I know where you're going, Mike. I think I know where you're going. Well, you're just ready to blow somebody's mind here. Come on. I, I, I have two mind velours for this episode, so oh. I, I, I've, I've got my bases covered. Okay. Okay, maybe one's not necessarily a mind blower, but we'll see where it goes. And this is the episode we talked about earlier, The French Disconnection. The French ambassador visits England to forge an alliance that will make Prince John so powerful that King Richard will never be able to reclaim his throne. Robin and his men infiltrate the palace to prevent this. So what's your takeaway, Greg? One of the writers in this episode... Uh, I'm not going to blow his mind with this, but yes, oh, no. yeah. and, and, and I did verify this apparently, at least on IMDB, it hooks up with this person's IMDB profile, but uh, who we're talking about one of the writers of this episode, and he did write for some other shows and he was a comedian. If you remember back in the sixties, he released a, a, at least one comedy album, albeit maybe not good from what I've heard is Gene Wood. Yeah, that Beauty Beaut- Card Sharks match game announcer Gene Wood. The one and only, yes. Gene Wood was one of the writers of this episode. Oh, wow. And, and like I said, everything matches up on IMDb. It goes straight to his profile. And like I said, he, he did a comedy album, at least one, back in the 60s. And like I said, I've heard it's not that good. But still... That's apparently a forte of his. So I, I'm i not going to dispute IMDb. If it was Wiki, I might dispute it. But I'm saying it's legit. Gene Wood did I was, write I was just, I was just about to say, are you going to... Are you going to doubt something owned by Amazon? I have good reason. I don't think so. Well, I... I, I I'm not going to say what I want to say. But also, the the other thing that should be mentioned is that the Marquis de La Salle, who was the like the envoy from France, was played by the one and only Sid Caesar. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, uh, when he meets uh, Maid Marion and uh, Prince John's wife, Princess Isabel, played by Jane A. Johnson, you can see Sid Caesar go into classic Sid Caesar mode. And oh, this episode is on YouTube. Watch it. Yes, th- this by far is one you need to see. Th- this might be the best in the series, at least of what I saw. Uh, and even the scene where Maid Marion and the Marquis are in the bedroom and he starts pouring the wine. Absolutely great. Oh, my gosh. Like I said, oh, yeah. this is a good show. It's just, you know, people didn't watch for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. you know what? We'll get into the reasons why people didn't watch, because there are two of them. But we'll get to that. Episode three, Mike. Episode three is the house band. The sheriff recruits a band of evil lookalikes to impersonate Robin Hood and his band in order to discredit them with the peasants while the real Robin and his men are on vacation. Hmm. Hmm. We got nothing. Got nothing. No. Episode four, those wedding bell blues. 
Sheikh Ahmed comes from Arabia to sign an olive oil treaty with Prince John, but demands the hand of Maid Marian in marriage as part of the deal. Now, this actually goes back to one of the lines that Chico mentioned earlier about the um, about the OPEC joke from the seventies, because you know we're talking about olive oil here. So yeah, there's there's your timeliness. Case, yeah, in this particular case, it would be the OPEC. Yeah, O O P E C. O O P E C. An interesting thing: playing Sheikh Ahmed. And this is before Arthur and Santa Claus the movie, and Arthur 2, Dudley Moore. Yes. yes! And I think we should also mention that playing the role of a wizard was Steve Landisberg. Oh, Steve Landisberg. From Barney Miller. Yeah, from Barney Miller. And this would have been right about the time Barney Miller started. Yeah, but uh, Steve Landisberg wasn't a regular cast member in that first season. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. So you you had a couple of, you know, big names. I mean, they wouldn't be big for a little while. I mean, Dudley Moore wouldn't be till the early 80s. And, oh, at I mean, least in America. Was it, well, I was going to say, uh, at least in America, Dudley Moore was not well known. Right, right. And, and Landisberg, you know, he, he'd gained steam. Uh, on Barney Miller, it'd take again like another year or so, but yeah, you had two legitimate, uh, really good stars there before they really hit it big. Yep. And then we go to episode five A Ransom for Richard. The peasant's faith in Robin Hood is shaken after he has chosen to guard King Richard's ransom from Prince John and the Sheriff, and the treasure comes up missing. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, that's true. And, okay, I'm going to blow Greg's mind this time. He ruined the Gene Wood one, but I'm going to blow his mind here. Okay. There was one person who starred in two different roles, not on this episode. He he was in this episode as an emissary, but also he was on another episode as an eavesdropper. Ready to get your mind blown? Okay, who is it? Joseph Marr, also known as St. Peter, from previous installment, Second Chance. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Mind's blown! I knew I'd do it. Yes. All it took was St. Peter from Second Chance. Oh, yes. That was worth the wait, I think. That was worth the wait and the missing gold that Robin Hood was trying to guard. I blew Greg's mind. I got one past him. Yay. And then we get to episode six, the ultimate weapon. Robin and his men must stop mad inventor Otto Bon. Ha ha ha. Otto <laughs> Bon. Get it. Yeah, because he's because German. He's from Germany. And the Otto Bon is something that's in Germany. From building the ultimate weapon for Prince John and the Sheriff. That would destroy Sherwood Forest. No. And playing the role of Dr. Otto Bonn, this was before Bizarre, but after he's done everything else with his life, John Biner. Yeah. Oh, we should also add that the director of this episode, and he was on uh, the Bob Newhart show at the time, Peter Bonners. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Doing a little research, it looks like this was the fourth 
TV show that Peter Bonners had directed. He had done one episode of a series called Summer Fun in 1966, and he had done an episode of Paul Sand in Friends and Lovers in 1974, but also in 1974 he directed an episode of a little show called The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Ah. So this is number four for him, so... Yeah, interesting to see his name pop up because he was not all that old back then. Well, he was like in his mid thirties, like thirty six, thirty seven or so. So, but but still, a name that you'd see in the future uh, doing many things, I mean, not just directing. As we said, he was on Bob Newhart and Gosh knows, sort of like Dick Godier, he made appearances on many TV shows, game shows back in the seventies. Pastor. Plus, specifically, comes to mind. But then we move on to the next episode. Ding dong, the bell is dead. Robin and crew have to stop the sheriff and Prince John from selling to an Ethiopian prince the beloved bell they have stolen from Nottingham Abbey. Okay, so Robin and his crew, they rob from the rich and give to the poor. You all know this. Now... Uh, the sheriff and Prince John are trying to take back what is theirs so they can sell it to an Ethiopian prince played by Thalmus Rasulala, who was, oh, you know what he was in? It all comes, you know what, it, it, it all comes back to TNG. He played Captain Donald Varley in the 1989 episode Contagion. We should add Star Trek The Next Generation to our list of shows everything comes back to. Either comes Damn back right. to now it comes back to either four shows. It comes back to Magic Game Hollywood Squares Hour. It comes back to Twin Peaks. It comes back to making it. It comes back to Star Trek The Next Generation. Everybody's on Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, as we'll find out in our next episode. Wait a while, guys. It's also going to come back to Night Court in a little bit. Oh, boy. Uh, also, I should add about this episode, talking about the writers, we talked about Gene Wood earlier. Uh, one of the writers of this episode happened to be Les Roberts. And in case you don't know who Les Roberts is, he was a producer on the Hollywood Squares back in the 60s and early 70s. Whoa. I, I know his name came up in the uh, the 1968 primetime episodes that aired again on GSN 18 years ago or so. But also, it's worth noting because Les Roberts, he is he lives here in the Cleveland area, but for the last, oh my gosh, at least 35 years, he has been an acclaimed mystery writer. He's one of probably the most popular local writers here in Cleveland. Mm, awesome. Wow. Yeah, and he's written plenty of books uh, in the, I believe it's Mylon Jekovich series. Uh, I believe that's his main character, Mylon Mylon Djokovic or Djokovic, and uh, he, like I said, is just renowned here. He he is uh, he's a Cleveland thing. He, he's definitely not a a nationwide. He's not a nationally known author, but he is truly. If you're in Cleveland or the Cleveland area, everybody knows who Les Roberts is, and I've met him a few times. Pretty nice guy too to boot. So he so he's on par uh, in Cleveland on with uh, Gene Shepherd. Oh no, I would say he is far above Gene Shepherd. 
Really? Yeah, I, I mean, Gene Shepard is not really that well known here. I mean, outside of a, a Christmas story. But like I said, Les Roberts, he's been writing Cleveland-themed mysteries for the last, I, I know at least the last 30 years. I'm going to say even closer to 35 or 40 years because he actually came to our school either 89 or 91. Uh, he, he apparently was good friends with one of my aforementioned English teachers that I talked about last week where I was apologizing for my bad English. So he actually came to our class and we got to talk to him and he introduced himself as a TV writer. And he you know, mentioned some of the TV shows that he had written for. Uh, he didn't mention Hollywood Squares, but I seem to remember Green Acres back in the day. I don't think this was mentioned. He, he, he went from being big in or reasonably big in Hollywood to coming back to Cleveland. And he was maybe even bigger in Cleveland because, like I said, he's written so many books over the years. Wow. But, I mean, you can clearly see just looking at his his bibliography on, on wiki. Yeah. I mean, he's written probably at least 30 books. Yeah. This sounds like something Gene Shepard would have written. The scent of spiced oranges and other stories from the title. It just sounds like something that Gene Shepard would have written. Uh, another person that comes up in this episode is another, yeah, somewhat familiar name, Carl Ballantyne. That is somewhat familiar. Well, uh, just taking a look at his IMDb. Yeah, his name is familiar to me, but taking a look at his IMDb, he voiced LJ Swindler on Garfield and Friends. That's where I heard him from. I was gonna, just driving me nuts. See, I've also heard of him from other shows. I mean, taking a look here, he played Max Kellerman. Not, not that Max Kellerman. No. But he played a character named Max Kellerman on a TV series called One in a Million. Hey, Mike, do you think he was joined by somebody named Woody Page? Oh, jeez. Oh, I, 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 I knew there was going to be an ESPN joke in there. I just didn't know what the joke and was And yet be. you went there anyway. Of course you went there. Hey, hey uh, it was hey, it was either Woody Page or Michael Holly. Uh, and also we should add that Carl Ballantyne played Lester Gruber on McHale's Navy. So that might be his best work because McHale's Navy was on for a number of years. Yeah. And, and it looks like he was on 138 episodes, so that may be where we recognize him from, but besides Garfield and Friends. Next up is There Goes the Neighborhood. The four guys from Gloucester, Master Woodsman, have been hired by the sheriff to chop down Sherwood Forest so it can be replaced by a new housing development. Sherwood Meadows. Robin and his men have to convince the guys to quit the job. Well, do they? Obviously they do. Yeah, because clearly there's no urban sprawl. There's no yeah, you know, uh, no housing development called Sherwood Meadows anymore. I wonder if those uh, the Sherwood Meadows were were condos. That would have been big in '75. Yeah, they were condos, not unlike future installment condo. Oh, you mean future installment in just a few weeks condo? Yeah, I said it. We're covering condo in a few weeks. Oh yeah. 
because we need to cover all the McLean Stevenson shows. Yeah, yes, we, we need, do. Yeah, we need to justify getting that life-size McLean Stevenson statue outside the museum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, okay, so, uh, again, this is an extension of their brand of humor, but the four guys from Gloucester have names. There was Guy de Maupassant, played by Paul Williams. You know who Paul Williams is. That's Guy de Maupassant. Have you never heard of Guy de Maupassant? Uh, oh, I've heard of Guy de Maupassant. So we're just going to assume his name is Guy because he's no, his, his Guy de Maupassant. Yeah. But you, you, know who, you know who Paul Williams is. Uh, ace songwriter, ace performer, ace actor in this particular case. And then there was Guy Butler, Guy Tinker, and Guy Cooper. Four Guys. Four Guys. Four the the four Guys from Gloucester. Or guy the four guys from Gloucester. The four Guys from anyway. <laughs> and, and we should add that Guy de Maupassant, if you've never heard of him, is an author. Next up, oh, this is a timely episode name. Oh. Oh. Quarantine. Is Dr. Anthony Fauci in this episode? (laughs) No, but Jane H. Alston is back as Princess Isabel. The plague has come to Nottingham, and both Robbins and the Sheriff of Nottingham's men are stuck together in quarantine in the throne room of the palace, until the disease runs its course. What will kill them first? The plague or each other? Too soon, bruh. It's, it's too timely. You're exactly right too about soon, that. Too soon, bruh. I, I agree and I understand. It's, it's not my fault. It's just coincidental. And I think we're just going to move on really fast to episode 10. Yeah. 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 Birth, birthday blues. It's a happy birthday for both Ronaldo and Bertram in Sherwood Forest in Nottingham Castle. When Ronaldo goes to the castle to see Bertram, he is captured and sentenced to death. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Will Bertram forget old scores and save his brother's life? Well, he has to, right? Blood is thicker than water. Well... You know, someone's life had to be spared because I bet you that both characters appeared in the last three episodes. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It, and it probably and for all we know, it could probably open up the door to episode eleven. Oh, but before we get to episode eleven, one person who appeared on this episode is Hollingsworth. I've got to mention it. I mentioned the night court tie earlier. It's a name that you may be familiar with, uh, especially Chico, because I know he loves his cartoons. Bob Ridgely. Ooh. Yeah. But what's the Night Court connection? (laughs) What is the Night Court connection? What is the Night Court connection? He played game show host Chuck Fleck on the episode of Night Court called The Game Show, where Bull won money for an orphanage because they couldn't afford a basketball hoop and we're using him as a basketball hoop. I am human sweat. Damn right you are. They used bull as a human basketball. Because they didn't have money 
at the orphanage. So he actually showed everybody uh, associated with the court him, you know, uh, he showed everybody a Polaroid with him as a basketball hoop. Yep. And, and now we see all the listeners of the podcast going to find the game show episode of Night Court on Amazon Prime or or whatever service you use or, or Google Play. Or iTunes or whatever. Exactly. It would be, all, hey, this would be awesome. Hey, HBO Max, I'm not saying you should put Night Court on the service. Damn it! But you have the tapes. Oh yeah, because it make this happen. Yeah, because it is Warner Media owned. Oh yeah, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. They're not judging, but they're judging. So yeah, that does take us to episode eleven, which is a two part episode, "The Spy." Woo! Indeed. King Richard must return home to England soon or lose the throne to Prince John. Meanwhile, Robin Hood's men suspect there is a double agent in their ranks. But which side is he really working for? To quote Bobby Heenan, whose side is he on? And we should add that Carl Ballantyne reappears in this episode as an innkeeper this time. And also... Joseph Marr, yes, St. Peter from previous installment, Second Chance, also reappears as the previously mentioned eavesdropper. Okay, so so in 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 greater detail, the spy visits Nottingham Castle to report to the sheriff. Guess who it is? Who? Ronaldo! I was gonna say it's gotta be Ronaldo, exactly, because his twin brother is Bertram, who's working for the other side. I bet you it's payback. It's payback for when his brother saved his life. Oh, boy. Oh, now you see. Now it just hit me. You're talking about how it's like sort of foreshadowing or it's you know going into episode 11. Now I get it. Now I see it. Oh, that's a different installment from 1975. Never mind. <laughs> but now anyway, it makes sense. Yes. Yeah, now it makes sense. Ronaldo disguises his Bertram and goes and learns when the king, King Richard, is arriving at Dover Beach. Robin rides to France to warn the king. Ronaldo is seen at the castle by Maid Marian and exposed. He can't tell his comrades about the mission, so they prepare to hang him as a spy. Because if Sherwood Forest is good for anything, it's kangaroo court. And that leads us to the second part of the episode. The Merry Men put on trial the one they think is the traitor in their ranks. Robin Hood, meanwhile, has to stop the sheriff from killing King Richard when he returns to England as the law requires or lose his throne. So when we've last seen our erstwhile Robin of Loxley, he was knocked unconscious. The sheriff's planning to kill King Richard. Ronaldo is about to be hanged. And uh, Robin is bound by a band of gypsies and nursed back to health, but he doesn't have much time to recover because he's lost the war in King Richard to get back to the to jolly old England, or else Prince John's going to rule, and things are going to be even more rotten than they already are. And we should also mention uh, a guest star in this episode, in the second part only, not the first, playing a character named Tanya 
is Lainey Kazan. Yeah, she's the head of the gypsies. Yes, in case you don't know the name, she was in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. She's been on a number of TV shows. Oh, uh, including future installment My Big Fat Greek Life. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, 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 if anything uh, has to do with Greece, Lainey Kazan was on it. If it was big and fat and Greek, she was on it. Uh, but she also was on other shows like The Nanny. Mm-hmm. And that's it. She was on The Nanny. That's all. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Ronaldo demands a fair trial, so he gets Little John as the prosecutor, Alan Dale as his defense attorney, and as the judge, the last person in Sherwood Forest that you would want for a judge, short of the sheriff, Maid Marion. Uh, Ronaldo still won't reveal the details of his mission, and all the married men believe that the, that the comrade is going to be guilty of spying. The jury peasants finds him guilty. The penalty is death. But Robin's horse returns to camp riderless. And then he has to tell all. He, t- he explains King Richard must return to England by the next day or lose his crown. The sheriff and Prince John are on their way to Dover Beach to kill him. Everybody goes to Dover in time to spot the sheriff attacking the king. But it's Robin disguised as Richard. Ooh, didn't see that one coming, did you? No. Can't say I did. So King Richard returns to English soil and keeps his crown. And that all takes us up to the last episode. This lands for hire. The sheriff hires the famous mercenary, the Black Knight, to challenge Robin Hood to a fight to the death. Robin accepts, despite being crippled by a recent wound. But the sheriff has his own plans for the fight, no matter who wins. Interesting thing. You know who plays the Black Knight? Oh, you're, you're beating me to it, but say it. A Black Knight. Ron Glass. Ryan Glass, who also, again, like Steve Landisberg, would be in Barney Miller at this point. Uh, but uh, And we also talked about him in previous installment, Nightstand with Dick Dietrich, because he made uh, recurring appearances on that show. But also, we're going to talk about Ron Glass uh, at some point, because he was uh, one of the main characters on future installment, The New Odd Couple. He was the Felix Unger character. Oh. Yep. Yep. Well, of course, he did do a season and a movie as uh, one of the motley crew of characters on Firefly. So there's a thing. Yeah. Among many other things. I mean, he's one of those people that, if you don't know who he is, if you've never seen Barney Miller, well, first off, go see Barney Miller, number one. Yeah, come on. Yeah. But yeah, if you haven't seen him, he's almost like that guy from that show, but he's been all over the place like the last 45 years on TV, or at least 40 years since he did pass away like in 2016. But still, you know who he is. He's a funny guy, great actor. So he is not an unknown commodity, as we might say. And he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep, he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, there you go. So what happened? 
I'm glad you asked. Well, it had three things going up against it. The first was, it was paired with future installments, That's My Mama. Oh, don't you diss That's My Mama. That was a great show. It was a great show, but it didn't last so long. Yeah, you're right, but... But also, it had some Clifton music. Davis was awesome! And it had some kick-ass music, too. It oh, did! Yeah. That was peak 70s. It really was. The second thing was what was on NBC at the time. A family drama called Little House on the Prairie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll kill it. And, oh, wait. We're not done killing it yet. The third thing was what was on CBS at the time, Tony Orlando and Dawn. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's the death blow right there. Yep. Unfortunately, Mel Mel Brooks's shtick could not go up against that sort of heavyweight. But, you know, we've seen the sort of shows that Mel Brooks does outside of Get Smart, and they're all pretty well put together. It's like, you didn't really have to last long, because you could tell he's going for quality, not quantity. Right? Yeah. Oh, very true. And again, you, you do see a lot of Get Smart in these episodes. So, so, you know, why tinker with something that worked? I mean, Get Smart lasted five years, although the last season was not that good. And we'll uh, get into CBS that le- season, the CBS oh. season, and, and and we'll get into that later this year when we talk about shows that lasted one season too long. Yeah, but also it should be noted, what show replaced when things were rotten on the ABC schedule? Uh, that would be a little show called The Bionic Woman. Yeah, The Bionic Woman, not the not the uh, two thousand seven, not the future installment, Bionic Woman. Yeah, not the reboot with Michelle Ryan, who played Lady Christina, of course, on Doctor Who. Lady Christina D'Souza? Oh, yeah. Planet of the Dead. And I should note, Michelle Ryan recently prized the role of Lady Christina in Big Finish. Awesome. Just wanted to point that out. But yeah, one thing I want to note is... I... You neglected to mention there was one writer and one director on this show. Now, in that the aforementioned episode we mentioned, episode two, which was uh, the story was done by Gene Wood. You know who uh, helped with the teleplay on that episode? Who? Who is is that? Pat Proft. And you might be Uh, saying, who's Pat Proft? I know the name is familiar. Yeah, name is familiar, doesn't ring a bell. Well, Pat Proft was the co-writer with the Zucker Brothers on the Naked Gun movies, and he was a writer, of course, on Police Squad. But he also wrote on previous installment, the Star Wars Holiday Special. Ah. And, and, was, and was a writer on future installment, Van Dyke and Company. So that actually explains why this sort of has a police squad naked gun feel to it, maybe. Yes. Oh, yeah. And another thing. You know who was the director in episode four? I do not. Um, 
No, but I have a feeling you were going to tell me. Morty Feldman, who played Igor in Young Frankenstein. Ah, nice. Uh, Another connection to Mel Brooks. I I mean, this is like the Mel Brooks tree here. This is is interesting. The The Mel Brooks extended universe. Exactly. We should also note that this series is on DVD. And actually, if you go on eBay, we're not going to play eBay prices right for this. But if you go on eBay and take a look at uh, the going price for this series on DVD, I saw it as low as about $10 to about as high as about $22 to $25. So it's in the reasonable range. But also, uh, just looking at uh, YouTube, a good number of episodes, if not all of them, can be found there. Yep. And if you don't want to go on eBay... It is available on Amazon.com as a manufacturer on demand DVD for $23.49. So you're paying about $25 either way if you go eBay, unless you get really lucky, or if you go Amazon. Mm-hmm. But also, one more thing we should note before we close the show. Mel Brooks, about 18 years later, he did a little movie called Robin Hood Men in Tights that was significantly more successful than this TV series. Oh, yeah. He did, didn't he? Yep. Yes, he did. We should also mention that two people who appeared on When Things Are Rotten were also in Robin Hood Men in Tights. First and foremost, Dick Van Patten. Yes. Mm hmm. And the second person from this show that appeared in the movie Robin Hood Men in Tights was Bob Ridgely, who played a hangman in Robin Hood Men in Tights. The hangman. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he he played a hangman uh, and he also played Chuck Fleck. So what can you say about Bob Ridgely? He's just amazing. He played a hangman. He played a frigging game show host with Richard Maul with Bull from Night Court. Yes. And he was in a movie with Dave Chappelle. And yeah, uh-huh. we should mention, yeah, Dave Chappelle was in Robin Hood in tights. Yeah. He, he delivered that quintessential line. Man, white men can't jump. He's not wrong. Nope. Well, does anybody else have anything to add? Uh... I think we pre- I think we pretty much covered the uh, we've run the gamut of everything having to do with when things were rotten from its rotten time slot to its rotten luck and to its not so rotten army of actors and scripts and jokes. But unfortunately, in 1975, you add it all up. It was a thing on TV. Indeed, it was. And you know what's not rotten? What's not rotten? What's not We're rotten? rotten? We're not rotten. No, oh, of course. No, and also our website's not rotten. www.itwasathingontv.com There you'll find over 70 fresh episodes. We do have a library of over 70 episodes now. And I, I've actually talked to a few people over the last week or so, and a couple people mentioned they were going on road trips and they were downloading the podcast. So thank you for downloading some episodes and, and occupying your traveling time by listening to us. 
Yeah, and we just passed the 6,000 download mark. That yes, we're we did. Two-third, we're two-thirds of the way to the Vegeta, people. We're two-thirds? Oh, no. <laughs> Okay. I didn't know what that was. Then I thought about it, and now I'm, and now I have regrets. Uh, uh, But also, do not have regrets, Mike. Do not have regrets. I have regrets. And in addition, as always, you can go to our social media. We've got profiles on Twitter and Facebook, and Tumblr and Instagram, and we have a Discord. Uh, And on the Discord, well, last week we were talking about the uh, tv show don't and now on the discord basically because i decided to uh, binge a tv show a couple nights ago now we're talking about gary Busey pet judge yes future installment gary Busey pet judge are we going to include that in the year-end show with personal injury court oh you better believe we're going to be talking about that on the year-end show. Oh my gosh, I have yeah. stuff to say, and I've only gotten through three episodes. You know what I want to see? I want to see Gary Busey with Big D. Exactly. Oh god. Oh my gosh, I don't think the world can handle it. No. Well, guys, I think it's time to 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 have what we teased in our last episode. I'm going to tell you my story that I was going to tell you before we signed off last week that I teased. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, we plan these episodes out like weeks in advance, like weeks and months in advance. So I got to say, back in late December, Mike, when you were planning this week, I was thinking, oh, well, it's in mid June. It's going to be over the summer. You know what? I think I'm going to skip this week. (laughs) because all my work got canceled this summer (laughs) and that's next time on it was a thing at greg's workplace greg your loss is our gain we get for the entire summer well i guess that's a good thing as always please don't forget subscribe like and subscribe so you can get the most uh, recent episode uh, as soon as it comes out. And uh, don't forget to rate and review. We love those five-star reviews because if we get under 4.9 stars, we're going to be fired. We're not going to have a job. And also, as always, please don't forget, share, tell friends, tell people you know who might enjoy this about us because, as Chico would say, well, you say it, Chico. Sharing is caring. Indeed it is. You're absolutely right. Well, until next time. Oh, next time. Well, we mentioned that both shows this week share a common theme. And uh, you could probably take a guess what the common theme is and maybe even a guess as to what the next episode is about. And if you don't know what the next episode is about, don't worry. It'll be available on Thursday morning. So you'll just have to wait in suspense until then. But for now, speaking for Chico and Greg... And thanks for listening to this installment of It Was a Thing on TV. Wow! Next up, oh, this is a timely episode name. Oh. Oh. Quarantine. Robin Hood eats a bat in the middle of Sherwood Forest. No. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 no. 
Good night, everybody. <laughs>